This episode is brought to you by Revel Snacks, R-E-V-O-L-S-N-A-X. Now, I have to say, I personally ventured down the keto path mid-2019 and really struggled initially. I felt like I was missing out on the little joys in life and couldn't enjoy any snacks or desserts. Then I came across Rebel Snacks and haven't looked back. They are by far the most delicious health food product I've ever come across. I mentioned that I'm a fan of keto, but these are the perfect option for paleo, vegan, or just overall healthy lifestyles. I try and eat as clean as possible, and these snacks are incredibly clean. It's a company that truly cares about their ingredients, uses organic when possible, and is mindful of our on-the-go lifestyles. Check out Rebel Snacks today and use code MUSICTHEORY10, M-U-S-I-C-T-H-E-O-R-Y-10 for 10% off your first order. Now, on with the show. What is up, Rhythm Section? Woo! You like that, Steve? I changed it up a little bit. A I figured, figured I'd do something special for the Rhythm Section today. That's it, man. So we have a very cool episode for you today. It's one that when Steve and I started out down this path, I had a friend, I still do have this friend, great friend, uh, who's not the biggest music guy, but he appreciates new music when he gets introduced to it. And he said, hey, Mike, if I were, let's say, trapped in a bunker for 20 plus years or so, and I came out and you wanted to introduce me to music, what would it be? How would you do it? What type of music would you say, start here? What should I avoid? And I said, you know what? Let's do it. That's a great episode. So welcome to what I'm calling, and Steve and I are calling, the Kimmy Schmidt conundrum. And obviously, if you're fans of the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, yeah. great show. Uh, she's trapped in a bunker, comes out and has to get reindoctrinated to the world. And, you know, what do people show her? What do people avoid this and that? So here are the rules that Steve and I talked about for today. We said, what if since 1990, someone's been trapped in a bunker and we got, we, we need to be the ones who shepherd them through, you know, the haze of music that's been since 1990 so quite a bit we will get to that in a little bit uh so just to get everybody excited perfect but first and foremost as always steve great to see you You we're we're together in person today i couldn't be more excited likewise uh you can hear it in my voice talk to me a little bit about what you've been playing what you've been listening to so i will say this it's been a year and i remember in the first episode chronicling my my journey here with you to uh to record this yep. in your man cave that's it man. <laughs> as it were we've come a long way so not only thank you it's been a pleasure yeah. and uh and and also i cannot thank the rhythm well we cannot thank the rhythm section enough amen and it's that's ever it. ever expanding because without you guys i mean we're just two guys in a basement talking about <laughs> which we would probably be anyway that's to tell point. you the truth yeah 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 but uh, what I will say is, so since the last time we recorded, like a pro- even even a regular episode, let alone a proper episode, mm-hmm. I played my gig. Yep, dude. It. I don't know how somehow it went off really well. Somehow, yeah. Um, you're you're far too <laughs> we kind. Never would have guessed it. You're yeah, far too. Well, I, listen. You know, if people are going to show up, there was no cover. But if people mm-hmm. are going to show up, you owe it to these people, in my opinion, to really rehearse and go in going. I've literally done everything I can. I've got good equipment. I've yep. got a good set list. I've worked on it. I've rehearsed it, whatever it is, right? It went really well to the point where, you know, it was really cool. People were like, are you like for hire? I've got like a, my great, sister's man. 50th birthday part. And I was like, I- I'll do whatever you want kind of thing. Yep. But it went really well. What I 
as a result of that, though, I wanted to dive right into you know figuring out what went really, really well. Actually, I think all the songs went really well. It's just like in a bar gig, though, you kind of want people. My sister was like, I couldn't sing to all the songs. I was just like, is that really what I meant to do? <laughs> Go into this saying like every song is what you can sing. Now, there's something to that because people do love a sing along and that's fine. Sure. But, um, you know, as a result of that, because I listened to that set list, Mike, every single day, I broke it up into three sets and I listened to it every day. So it just got burnt in my memory. Right. And since then I've tried to come up with a, you know, round two, so to speak, I've sent you the list on Spotify. I don't think we ever published that set list, by the way. We still can. We got to figure out what's going on there. Yeah. Um, We'll get it up. But as a result, I had to take a bit of a hiatus. So I've really been listening to like jazz music mm-hmm. and classical music. I know that sounds a little nuts because you're like, those are two genres I just don't want to get you're involved so in. You're so goddamn cultured. I don't know I if I am. Like, no, I'm really not. I listen to versus what you listen to. I mean, to. if the public could see my hair right now, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think they would say I'm cultured. It is kind of cool. You got like the uh, Avengers Hawkeye yeah, Mohawk going. Yeah. I love it. It's love growing it. in. It's yeah. growing in. <laughs> but so since then, I and I've, you know, I have been playing. Um, you know, other things. I have been playing some of the songs that, that I played in the set. I bought a 12 string yesterday and it was so I could play live because if you're one guy and it's not a song that needs a six string exclusively or does need a 12 string, it really builds out how thick the sound is for the audience. Cause a six string guitar, Mm -hmm. we've got really nice guitars to play live. Sure. But, uh, you know, you play a 12-string, it's really, really nice. So I bought a Taylor. The thing is beautiful. We'll have to play out sometime and maybe yeah. we'll give people some audio. But absolutely, that's what I've been doing. You know, my hands hurt as a result of playing the 12-string because <laughs> that's usually how, it, you know, our guitar players would, will totally get that. Sure. But, uh, talk to me, man. What have you been doing? Awesome. Oh, very cool, Steve. So first of all, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of listen. Uh, so... My favorite musician, Jason Isbell, has a new album coming out in May. I really love that guy. I, I do. So there is a uh, there's a new single out, uh, Be Afraid, I believe it's called. It's on this new album called Reunions, which will be coming out in May. Uh, they also announced that they're touring again. So I did pick up some more ticks. Nice. So going to see him in New York. So for anybody interested. Uh, Where's he playing? In New York, Pier 17. So I'll be there. Pier 17. Music and Theory Podcast will be present uh, this June. So I've been listening to some Isbell. Uh, I was listening to a little Blind Faith. I picked up, wow. you know, I've been on this vinyl kick lately. As yeah, I'm looking you. at it. Yeah, so I picked up Blind Faith album, which was fantastic. So I've been listening to a little bit of that. It's like I'm in like a 50s DJ. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Um, okay, there's this other band that I think I've mentioned on podcasts many, many times ago. Uh, the Northern Lights. Yeah. And I came across them on Instagram. I really like them. Good rock band. And it's again, it's hard to come across really good rock bands in today's day and age. Yeah, it's true. I like these guys. They have a new single out. I just heard it the other day. It's called American Honey. I told them I'd give them a little press on the uh, podcast. And uh, maybe we have them on one of these days doing That'd interview. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So those, and then a couple other things. I've actually been listening and playing a lot. So listening, John Mayer. Slow dancing in a burning room. Yep. And working on trying to play it because I love the Hendrix style guitar. Good luck. And yeah. And no, not you just, personally. Oh, he's yeah, just yeah. no, because Mayer is just so good. He's so good. It's insane. And it's such a great song. Yeah. And people look at you and say, Really? You know, slow dancing in a burning room. But they, they don't realize no, 
how good that song is and how melodic it is. And Gravity's the same way, right? Yep. Where it's like, so many of them. Neon, forget about it, right? Well, that tune is just... Even, dude, yeah. There are YouTube clips about why that song's impossible. To it play. really is. The guy yeah. is incredibly underrated. And I know he's pop nowadays, but no. my God, it's incredible what he does. I've said that, dude. Mayor, yep. people laugh at you when you say mayor, but then guitar players know, though. They're they like, know. all right, I can't. I don't want to admit that he's good, but he's good. Well, that was you saw that video I sent you, right? I think maybe. Uh, one the one it? that had Prashante, Mayer, and Derek Trucks. No, Did you I get don't a chance think you to watch it. it? Oh, you sent man. it to me? There's this amazing video. Sorry, we'll man. pull it up later. Uh, Google it when you have time. It was from many, many years, probably 20 plus years ago or whatever. These guys, no, it couldn't have been 20 years ago. Let's just say 10, 15 years ago. And they're all sitting together playing in this little studio performance. And just to see the three of them Ooh. together, some of the best guitar players of our generation. Amazing. Uh, I also picked up and this still falls in the listening bucket, the Foo Fighters debut album. Now, oh, I've always been a Foo Fighters album, uh, a Foo Fighters fan. With the ray. Yeah, the one right there. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah, the, the little ray, ray gun. gun. There you go. Yeah. But I never appreciated that album. I That's had good. no idea that Dave Grohl played everything. All the instruments, yeah. Every fucking instrument. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah. And I also didn't know that two songs from that album, were actually written while he was with Nirvana, oh, yeah. shared with Kurt Cobain, and they very well could have been Nirvana songs. And I listened to those two songs, and I say, wow, you know, you could hear a lot of Nirvana-esque yeah. behavior influence, in those songs. Yeah, yeah influence yeah. for sure. Uh, but there's only one other song on that entire album that features another guitar player, and I think that was just because you know he didn't feel like dubbing over himself for that particular track. But incredible album and uh, very underrated. So I did. Did listen to that. Yeah, he wasn't a, like a soloist either at that point. Mm -hmm. but yeah, That's so, true. Yeah. And in terms of playing, uh, I've been going acoustic. And I think Steve inspired me with his live acoustic act. Thanks, man. So, yeah. so I've been playing uh, Clapton Tears in Heaven. Oh, it's and so good. I'll tell you what. And, you know, big big shout out to, uh, to my man Steve right here because I couldn't play that song for shit <laughs> years ago. And I feel like I've made a lot of progress yeah. in my guitar journey. You have. And listen, it's still not perfect, but it's light years from where it would have been 18 24 months ago so i feel like i'm making good progress there it's a hard song man. it's a hard song Not easy um but i'm getting better at it i'm getting better good at the finger you. picking too yeah good for you uh this one you might like tracy chapman fast car wow i you it's know it's kind of like jack and diane-esque right where true it's like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. so i was on a big acoustic kick so playing good. that uh little norwegian wood yes. by the beatles yep keep going too and then I also, and I don't know why this just hit me recently, and musicians out there are going to laugh. Uh, if you're not a musician, you may not understand this fully, but there's this concept called sliding sixths. Yeah. And if you are not a musician, Google it and look up songs that utilize sliding sixths. I had no idea how many major songs rely on this technique. Yeah, it's a big country thing. Six, it, you know, I've heard thing. it's a country yeah, thing, big. too. That Actually, Wes from the Young Fables told me yeah. that recently. I was talking with him. But uh, yeah, I mean, Unfortunate Son in the beginning, Ballad of John and Yoko, yeah, Across is. the Universe. Yeah. So many songs use this technique. And I never understood the theory behind it, which now I do. And once you put those things together, it's one of those light bulb moments for a musician. And you know what I'm talking about, Steve. Yes. Every once in a while you have one. You say, Holy Sixth crap. Are, um, sixth are big, you know, because like in classical music, thirds and sixths, those intervals. Mm. So if you're like in the key of C, yep, right? So a third from C is E, a mm -hmm. sixth from C is A. Yep. Those are notes that you would play in classical harmony. Like those are what you would put on top of one another I to see. give you really nice harmony. Mm -hmm. um, 
so you take a lot of that country is a big third and sixth thing too. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's another thing where country music doesn't get enough credit. It kind of gets overlooked or maligned, but there's mm-hmm. so much going on. Cause yeah, th- those are, I, I use that almost like, you know, unapologetically yeah, yeah. You steal that yep. from country oh, yeah. or from, or from uh, Lennon was big. Like the bout of John, uh, John and Yoko, Yoko yep. was huge in that. Oh yeah. So good for you, man. Wow. You had a, your, your journey I've is been, not yet complete. There, Padawan. <laughs> Thanks, man. Well, um, all right. What do you say we get on into the topic? And uh, you all know what's coming. We talked about it. It's the Kimmy Schmidt conundrum. So we're going to say our friend was brought out of this bunker and uh, from the 1990s on. Steve, what the hell do we do with this guy? You know, it's funny because I know we don't just for the benefit, you know, of, of the listening rhythm section here. Mike and I are really good friends. We often, when we're preparing for an episode, don't talk. And it kind of gets me a little <laughs> sad because he's like, I don't want to waste good show fire. I'm like, we're not going to waste too much. But it's kind of true in that there is a little spontaneity when we get to the episode because yep. you've probably taken it a specific route and me maybe not, you know, the same, which is good because it, it, I think it complements it well. <clears throat> so what I would say is, the 90s were a very weird time for music, 2000s more so. And then the 10s, you know, I, you know, I, I kind of, despite living in it, I didn't participate in it all that much. And, yep. you know, I guess I'm, I'm kind of like the old young guy, if you want to call it like that. Love it. But for me, the representation of the 90s, for the most part, it would be, it, it, we would completely have missed it if we didn't say grunge Have to. overtook the whole thing. Yep. You know, from and a lot, you know, Cobain, you know, committed suicide, this whole thing. So mm-hmm. and that cemented it, in my opinion, in its place. But for me, um, I have to tell you, f- for me personally, I would say start with Stone Temple Pilots. Stone I know STP. you kind of okay. laugh at that. No, I get it. But get for me, it. out of that whole scene and they're more of a California band. They didn't come out of Seattle. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a huge STP guy. But if you said, you know, like Alice in Chains. Yep. And there were a lot, there were like Mother Love Bone. There was a lot of bands who should get credit and probably won't, right? Mm-hmm. But to me, Pearl Jam and Nirvana and Soundgarden sort of like from a grunge standpoint, completely represent the grunge movement and they should live forever. And if you don't, if you go into the 90s, like the listening catalog mm-hmm. and you're not bringing that in from that genre of music i've got others and i'll kick it to you and we'll, we'll go back and let forth me ask you a quick question about yeah. that so because i couldn't agree more yeah um my and i have alice in chains yeah. on my list along with the other grunge bands that you mentioned and i wonder if you were to introduce alice in chains to someone because i do think they're really different from nirvana from soundgarden and from pearl jam is alice in chains a tough place to start grunge your grunge journey is that why i mean obviously stp a little bit outside of grunge let's just say on the periphery but alice in chains at least for me like i remember when i was first introduced to alice in chains it was off-putting to me because i didn't i didn't understand it i didn't appreciate but depends on the person the tuning i didn't appreciate the everything sounded so flat to me and uh lane staley's voice was just i was like what is this and then over time, it grew on me like like a fine wine, you exactly. know. And it, it was like it got or better fungus. with age. Yeah. Matter, yeah, 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 yeah. 
So I don't know. What do you think about it, like a band like Alice in Chains in particular? Too much to start somebody out with that just came out of a bunker? I don't or know. Or you throw it at them? I think it's, look, it, like we always say, it's a personal thing, right? Mm -hmm. So like if you're a fan of vocal harmony, like the two most overlooked elements of Alice in Chains, I think their songwriting is fantastic. The drumming was great. The bass playing's great. Lane Staley's voice, and he was taken from us way too early. Yep, but the sure. guy had an unbelievable range. Like when you heard the song Wood for the first time. Yep. And you were like, you're like, okay, I got it. <laughs> but the vocal harmony is absurd because Jerry Cantrell's voice is really, really good. It's super heavy, right? Like it's heavier than the other. I mean, Soundgarden's really heavy, Let's, but they can also be, you know, very tasteful too. Tough place to start. It depends, Mike. I mean, for me, if you get the wrong STP song, the wrong Pearl Jam song, the wrong Soundgarden song, you people are instantly like, oh my God, what am I listening to? Sure. Yep. Right. Um, so I think it's a personal thing. If you like the vocal harmony thing and whatever resonates for people in any music, I could love it. You could hate it. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I heard it the first time I probably wouldn't start there, but that's me. Um, but look, that, that to me is grunge. I don't know if you covered it differently, but you know, I've got some alternate bands and bands that I think really should be, you know, listened to and representative of that time. But it's funny cause I'll give you who I think for me represented the genre. Yep. But then at the same time, I want to go through who like the top grossing and selling artists are because yeah. it's in this particular decade, yep. it's completely different from what I would offer you. I agree. And if and absent that information, I don't think you have a good representation of what the decade was. I totally agree. And my approach with this also is I'm I'm looking at this not to say, you know, what were the best albums, the best songs, yeah. the best singers. It's we're introducing this person to music and we need to help guide them on this journey. Word. So that's a big part of this. Yeah. But I was right there with you, had a lot of the grunge efforts. I did also say though. I mean, I don't know how you get through the 90s without getting into MTV Unplugged, and in particular, the Nirvana episode. Of course, yeah. So if we're going to go grunge, I think that episode, frankly, is you a love great- that Unplugged oh, You see the album sitting right up there? You literally yeah. have it. It's a yeah. great introduction to grunge, in my opinion, because you start to familiarize yourself with these songs. Yeah. You're hearing them in a more conventional manner. No guitar solo. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few in there, but well, they're yeah, sneaky ones. Like, they're like they just melodic the little- Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but I think that could even be a, a good way to introduce grunge. Mm -hmm. But keep going, Steve. You listen, I love it. So some bands that I would say are not like, uh, I guess you would call them alternative. I, I hate that classification. What is it? That's a catch-all. It is a catch-all. But and where it's else do you bullshit. put some of those bands? You know, you got Ginger Baker. You're like, why do we try to put, you know, <laughs> music in boxes? You know, that sort of thing. And he's not wrong. He's it's, not wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when you're a musician and yeah. you just want to do what you do to be like, you're that. That's tough. That is right? true. But, dude, I've got Flaming Lips. Ooh. I've got Tool. Tool. I've got Weezer. And I've got Corn. So think about that. This they were fucking this dominating. <laughs> the they were. They they came up. They were huge in the 90s. To okay. me, that's alternative. And I, I love it. Again, were they the biggest grossing? Probably not. But, dude, the Flaming Lips get overlooked. And it's really unfortunate. And they covered Dark Side of the Moon. And for me, it's a, it's it, I ha that's my favorite album of all time. Mm -hmm. We've talked about this. I don't think it's a bad representation. I don't love it. Mm -hmm. Right? But anyway, so we'll leave that to the side. Two people I would say for pop, though, Mike. You just named one of them. So Mayer really started on the scene and he was, you know, getting bigger. Was that really in the 90s? Yeah, I would say late that? 90s. You could say 2000s too, okay, I guess. But okay. he was starting to get on the scene. But Dave Matthews was a massive component. And you could argue, you could quibble with the Mayer thing and say he really started in the 2000s. Sure. Okay, fine. But 
I think Dave was from from a grassroots because he wasn't pop just yep. yet. Like I saw him at the Roseland in '94, and he wasn't big yet. I mean, he was playing the Roseland. Think about that. Sure. I mean, it's since closed, right? But that was a ballroom. Yep. That wasn't like the Garden. So anyway, uh, I've got some others, but I don't want to overtake you here. But you I, know, I've got some. Uh, how do you want to call it? Under not underground. It's not alternative. There's some other people who are quirky. Let's put it like that. Got so it. go ahead. Yeah. You know. Okay. So certainly a few names from your list I think are are worth bringing into the conversation. I would love to introduce this person to Weezer right off the bat. Oh, it's so good. Um, I ah, listen. Corn, I struggle with if I'm going to introduce somebody to Corn out of the out but of they the were representative of the genre. They were, they were huge. <laughs> They were All right. huge. All right. So what, you can't ease these people in, man. <laughs> Come on, bunker or not. You either want to know about the genre or you don't. I don't no? want them to like... go back in the bunker. All right. So a couple of things that I actually got into in the 90s that I thought might be reasonable entry points. Offspring and Green Day. Wow. Holy shit. Now, that's great. Two sides of the punkish spectrum, if you will. One's more skater punk. And actually, believe it or not, I used to do a lot of aggressive skating oh, back in so the day. So did I. That's so great. Was it a Long was Island fun. thing? It was. It must have yeah, been. It must have been. been. Yeah. You know, grease up every rail you could find yeah, and every curb. My mom curb. was so against it. Oh, yeah. Big time. Uh, so Offspring was always playing when we were out skating. And in the oh, 90s, yeah. Offspring music was very good. And I do think, I think we mentioned it, it degraded over time. Yeah. But I think that was very good music. No, nah, they were big, man. Um, I also think Green Day, and in particular, Dookie. Yeah. Dookie was such a great album, Huge. 1994. And if you want to talk about making punk more mainstream and having a lot of the rock influence shine, Dookie is a great place to start if you're yeah. looking for an album to pick up. I'm not the biggest fan of a ton of modern Green Day, but I do think the early stuff was fantastic. So I, I would just kind of compliment what you had there, Steve, in terms of that alternative scene, if yeah. you will. With those two. And then one more that I'm going to just lob into the bucket. Do it. Uh, with a lot of British influence. Well, and Brits themselves, right? Uh, oh, no. They're not Brits. Who? What are they? What is uh, the Gallagher brothers? they Irish? Scottish? No, I think they're English. English. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. All right. Oasis. Yeah. I was going to give you that. Good work. Oasis, right? In the 90s. Huge, huge band. How many band. special people? Really, yeah, everywhere. What, everywhere. And what I love about Oasis in the 90s is that I feel like it helped people remember. Whether or not you think they're a Beatles ripoff and all this other crap, I think it See, helped I disagree people. With that. I don't think they I are. think it helped people remember the times when classic rock really shined from the British invasion. And uh, this is why, again, I, I thought Oasis is a band that maybe didn't listen. You know, they had a lot of infighting, and wow. the music maybe degraded over time. Who didn't? But a lot of the early stuff I thought was very enjoyable. And if you're coming out of a bunker, it's not a bad place to start. So. I agree with all of that. I think that's fantastic. Um, Beck was mm. starting to get big. Beck, Beck yes. was starting to get big. Daft Punk was starting to get big. Mm -hmm. Are you a Pavement guy? No. You listen to Pavement? No. I so don't even Pavement know was big in the nineties. What um, kind of music is that? I'm not even familiar. You know, again, it's it's not. It's hard to say genre here because it's kind of alter. I you, feel like an idiot when I don't know stuff. You probably know that it. song. It, it has to do with like a haircut. I think it's like okay. get a haircut or something like that. <laughs> uh, Rage Against the Machine. You know, I purposely left them off was my list. big because you knew I was going to. Well, no, because listen, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, but you know they were fucking everywhere. They were everywhere. Now they you can everywhere. disagree with politics. You can disagree with Zach's voice was amazing. Tom Morello. <laughs> now, if, look, 
you have to burn that album in time. Yeah. They, AC, they ACDC'd every other album after that, that and basically correct. made the same album. Yes, they did. Because without the octave, Tom Morello is like, you're like, well, what happened here? <laughs> I'm not insulting Tom Morello. I'm saying a lot of songs have the octave move. See, I prefer Tom over Zach. Like, I couldn't stand Zach. I thought Tom Morello's Why, guitar too playing. Political, or? Not only that, I, I just felt like it was just a lot of angry screaming. And I'm like, I don't need angry screaming when I'm listening to my music. And if I do, I'm going to put on some metal or something. Got it. Well, that, but, and that's kind of what it was. It was like rap it metal. It was right on that border sort of there. Yeah. Right? I don't even so, know what you would call it, to be honest with you. And I don't even, I won't even push it, right? <laughs> but they were big. And then you know who else was everywhere? I'll give you a rap group that started to get everywhere. Out of Shaolin, man. Wu-Tang yes! was everywhere, weren't they? 1993, 36 Chambers, baby was everywhere it might have been my first cassette that i you ever know what's bought. amazing yes. so i didn't so I have, I have a couple of buddies who all grew up on the rock right mm -hmm. so or staten, staten island. island sure but they all refer to it as shallow yeah. <laughs> and i was just like wait because of who take they're like well why else? why else? and i'm just like this is the grit so now every time i drive through i'm like go through Shaolin. Shaolin. so it. here's how i will offer you this though mike because these are bands that i think we were listening to in the 90s mm. Against the backdrop of unbelievably popular and high-grossing um, artists, though, mm -hmm. think about this. Mariah Carey, Madonna, Boys to Men, like Backstreet Boys, the Spice Girls, like I, even Metallica. All these bands were selling like effing crazy in the 90s. You have to be aware. You have to know what I it agree. was. I agree. I have Mariah Carey. Goo Goo Dolls. Remember Goo Goo Dolls, man? Absolutely. They were every Hootie and the Blowfish. Holy shit, yep. dude. You're like, put on a little deal, and you're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and now Darius Rucker's like a country artist. I love it. You, you, oh, my it's God. fabulous. But dude, they were Hody Blue. Uh, you, you, every, they were everywhere. Cracked Rearview was one of like one of your favorite albums. Yeah, it no? absolutely is. It absolutely is. And and can I just say, Go. when I went through this exercise, it made me remember how good the '90s were. The 90s there was a lot of shit music. A lot them, of, okay, a lot of shit music, but I there think was a lot if you look of good at the music, volume though. of good versus what we have today. I give you that. Night and day. I give you that. Night and day. It was exploding. A lot of it yeah. was coming out of the eight. So here's what it was. The 70s had a very specific sound. The 80s went minimalist. I think the 90s started to say, like, I don't want to wear skinny fucking keyboard ties mm. and look too hip and all this yep, stuff. Yep. And I don't want to be punk. I want to be somebody who could play the instrument better. I'm angrier than you. Right, and I'm good. So that's how, to me, grunge formed. Yeah. But you had a lot, like, dude, Spice Girls, dude. Like, this shit was everywhere. That's true. That's true. There, it was. They were everywhere. Um. So that's to me that it to me all of the bands we were have just referenced. Mm -hmm. For the most part, we were either were listening to or it was undeniable how popular they were. And then the band, you know, the the artists or bands I just gave. They were like the top grossing artists of the 90s. Yep. It's undeniable how big. Dude, Metallica went from being, you want to talk about angry, went from, the, and then nothing else, Matt. You're like, wait a minute. Why is, and the Black Album came out, people went fucking bananas, sure, dude. Sure, sure. And that sold like crazy. And then, you know, but I, they were everywhere. So that was me. Um, dude, did we, did I say Sublime? No, I didn't either. I totally forgot to mention because Sublime, Sublime was big. Yes, man. they yes. were really big, and not just like their pop, but they played um, "Summertime" that that jazz standard, and he was singing it over that. You know the song I'm Doing talking time? about. Yeah. Where, 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 and um, 
it, I, I was really impressed by how great that band was. And again, taken from us way too early. Yep, Brad, but, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but to me, yeah. So if I didn't... I am so them, thrilled that you brought up Wu-Tang, by the way, because I had... Shaolin. I have a few rap here, you know, rap uh, introductions here. Yep. And, and I said, as I was going through the 90s, again, there was just good music all around. There was. And I have... Dre, The Chronic, 1992, Tupac, All Eyes on Me, 96, yeah. Biggie, Ready to Die, 94. And I'm like, these were good rap albums. Really good. And again, talk, talk about being taken from us too soon. But nonetheless, if I'm introducing somebody to music in the 90s outside of alternative, outside of grunge, no the rap scene had to be discussed. And uh, and obviously, listen, you had the whole East Coast, West Coast conflict occurring yeah. right in front of you, which I also think brought a lot of publicity yeah. to the rap scene and made people kind of jump on board for better or worse. But nonetheless, if you were growing up in the nineties or if you just came out of a bunker in the nineties, you know, dip your toe it was in. all dip over MTV. Yeah. No, you're right. And you know, it's funny cause I had that, you nailed it cause I had it on the back of my sheet here right now. And, but, and I had some of that going into the two thousands, mm -hmm. but no, you're right. You're absolutely right. That was big. The rap scene was big and it only continued to grow like into the 2000s. Mm -hmm. So that's become way more major because let's call it what it is. You know, it starts in New York in the eighties, very different. And then it just blows up, goes West coast, goes mainstream. It was kind of underground for a long time, sure. except um, like Sugar Hill gang was, was mainstream. But once you start going sort of gangster rap, you remember like Tipper Gore had oh, like yeah. the censorship thing going oh, yeah. at the time. Yep. And then censorship showed up everywhere. Like, That's dude, right. you're listening to NWA. That's right. You're kind of like, huh? What you're singing at the time, you don't know what it is. And then you watch um, the Defiant ones, and you're like, okay, I get what was going on in Compton. Yep. And you watch Boys in the Hood, and you know, you got it. But anyway, go ahead. Okay, I am... to me, that's the '90s, man. That's big. Okay, I am going to give you a few more uh, from the '90s here, and then we are going to move on to the early 2000s. Word. But before we do that. I want to talk about an app that we came across recently called Encoda, N-K-O-D-A. It's an app that lets you practice, play, and perform sheet music, and they do it in a great way that's very personalized and makes the experience feel seamless. They have tens of thousands of titles, millions of pages of uh, complete works from hundreds of publishers, finest editions from Boozy and Hawks, Baron Ritter, Chester and Novello, etc. They've received praise from Sir Simon Rattle and Joyce DiDonato. And if you want to check out Encoda, N-K-O-D-A, go into your app store and download the free trial now. So it's a great app. Check it out. With that, on with the show. All right. So for the 90s, I'm going to wrap it up here. A couple of things I did want to mention. We have to discuss the fact that country music got big again yeah. in the 90s. Between Garth, Shania, George Strait, Tim McGraw, Shania was and a huge. ton of female artists. Yeah. And we talked about it during our country episode. Yep. If you haven't listened to that episode, give it a listen. It's got a ton of uh, listens yeah. already, but we could use yours. Yeah, and, why not, right? What yeah, and yeah. it's it's something where I think in the 90s, I actually think the 90s was this like gorgeous palette of music. And you look around and we start talking about all these different genres and musicians. There's a lot of variety. There is something for everyone in the 1990s. And I'm going to round it out here with the last one. And I probably saved the best for last just because I think, you know, he had been around for a while, but really hit stride. Tom Petty Wildflowers, 1994. See, that's so great that you said that because I had struggled with, are we going to pick artists who are just unique to that genre mm -hmm. or people who had been, so I, I, I referenced Metallica. Yep. 
because, and that's how I wanted to bring my, that is petty is a brilliant call, yeah. brilliant call. Cause again, the MTV generation was still happening mm -hmm. and free fall. And when he's in the, when he's, I think he's in the Glendale mall, is that right? right? Yeah. Like, isn't he going up and down the stairs and anyway, but good. That is a great call. Mike. Oh, and, uh, one more, just because I have to, before you. I finish. And I talked about tears in heaven in the beginning, but the MTV unplugged with Clapton. That was great. Also in the nineties. Yeah. Uh, so if I'm introducing you to, you know, music, you're coming out of a bunker at least between Petty and Clapton, is stuff that's familiar to yeah, you. Yeah, you cover it. Easier transition, I yep. think. Okay, let's get past the 90s. Now we're into the early 2000s. My opinion, just real quick on the early 2000s, because you said you have a lot. I have a little. And I actually, I the early 2000s, I found intimidating. And it was watch out for new metal. Yep. You know, the Limp Biscuits of the world, yep. the Papa Roaches, etc. I have that here. And watch out for post-grunge, because some of it was okay. Most of it was shit, was absolutely terrible. Oh, I, I agree with that. I talked about how I like Creed, and I think Days of the New had some good songs, but they were essentially Alice in Chains, you know, and, and you had a ton of bands out there in the post-grunge new metal scene. It was very hard to avoid. But Steve, let me hear what you had first, and then we'll jump into a few. Well, again, so I think I've got a combination here of what I think was representative of the 2000s, but then also what I liked to yep. listen to as well. Understood. So the way, the way I have this is, here's what I'll hit you with, Mike, my most valued friend. Love it. You've got post-grunge, you got new metal, yep. you've got a lot of e emo stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, did. you do have a lot of pop stuff, let's mm -hmm. call it what it is, right? But indie blew fucking up. It did. Indie bands I were agree. unbelievable. So, you know, he, here's what I'll hit you with. Like, I think Foo was big, like the Foo Fighters sure. really started to hit yep. Creed, to your point, yep. right? Limp Bizkit, you had Linkin Park and Slipknot. Yep. Now, I happen to like Slipknot. I like Corey Taylor. And it wasn't just because of the mask things. Yeah. Like, they had some, you Corey know. Corey Taylor's they, got a great they voice. They were great. and the But the guitar work is fantastic, mm -hmm. right? I couldn't get into Puddle of Mud and Three. I couldn't. I couldn't. Right. I couldn't. I'm right, right? there with and you. That's, I'm not insulting no, these bands. That's just like, garbage. I could not get into yeah. that stuff. You said garbage. I love it. I, like, <laughs> I, I, I tried. I normally take the acerbic old dude route. And I love that on that one. You were like, it's bullshit. I love that you just came right out and hit him. Oh, man. From pop, think about this. And I don't know if you want to call this new, uh, but like to me, Blink-182 was everywhere. Mm -hmm. The Black IPs were everywhere. Fucking Alanis Morissette was everywhere, right? Question about Blink real quick. Because I got to know. Is Travis Barker good? Is he, like I hear, I hear drummers are like Travis Barker, Travis Barker, and I'm like, yeah, but Blink One Eighty Two. I think he's I very know. syncopated, and he's got speed, and he's got rhythm. I don't think he's this like, you know, technically amazing drummer. Okay, but for what he was doing, uh -huh. I think he was very good. Uh -huh. Um, Britney Spears, Amy Winehouse, Amy Winehouse, yeah. Um, fucking Justin Timberlake was everywhere too. He was. And so was Coldplay, man. I got Coldplay on my list. Parachutes in 2000 so is a phenomenal Coldplay. album. They were phenomenal. Big. Um, I'm going to, I have a really deep indie list and I'm not going to get into that right now. So I gave you pop and I gave you some of the alternative or post grunge. So you start, hit me with what you had and I'll hit you with my indie list. Okay. Cause it's literally like 10 deep. So. I'll, yeah, I'll hold off on that. Cause I think you're going to hit some of those same names. So All I'll right, leave that to the side. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to continue on with the rap conversation Go because rap evolved once again. That's true. And I think Jay-Z and Eminem dominated the early 2000s. You know, actually Kanye too. Kanye yeah, too. I had that. And, I have him here. And I, I gotta say. I loved it. You know I who was, else? Uh, Destiny's Child. Destiny. And you want to say it's Beyonce, rap. They're yeah, not rap, no, no, per but, se. But, but, but hey, you hear Jay-Z, you think Beyonce. Yeah, I yeah, get yeah. it. 
But Jay-Z and Eminem, I felt like really stood out during the period of the early 90s. And of course, you had Dr. Dre's influence on Eminem. I was going to hit you with that in a minute. Eminem was the highest grossing artist Holy in shit. 2000s or the best selling, if you want to say yeah. it like that. You, you can't ignore it. That's my list you know, later on of, if, of the backdrop. If we're going go decade by decade, you have to be. No, he was huge. Eminem yep. was everywhere, dude. That's it. Um, I'm a big fan. I'm just going to change genres for a second just because I want to get this out here. Uh, I've always liked Jack White. I was uh, going to give you the white stripes. Is that where you My going? wife doesn't think I've always liked him, but she doesn't know. I, I've I always liked that Jack your wife White. called yeah, you she, out. She totally called my bullshit on it. Yeah. But, but Elephant came out in 2003. Great album. Yeah, I've got the I white liked stripes. the white stripes. And uh, I. To me, they're an indie band. I know yeah. it sounds initially, and then they became big, and that's I, fine. I think but. what I really liked about it, and probably, you know, to your point where you're going with indie, I would suspect, is a lot of guitar music wasn't lost on this period and we still no. had guitar solos we still had people who wanted to rock yep and i really really enjoyed that so steve why don't you take me through some of those indie names love to hear what you got yeah i'm not necessarily saying that i i loved all of them but what i would say is if you have a conversation about the 2000s and you don't bring up a lot of these Fair. bands you're probably missing something yep. Uh, but like you've, I can, I think you've got it on your list. So like Arcade Fire, Absolutely. you know, was there. Death Cab for Cutie. Yes. Probably should get more name check than they do. The Strokes. I'm not a Strokes yep. guy. I'm not going to shit on them. We've talked about it. Because they're a New I York band. It's yep. kind of cool, but I was not a Strokes guy. And and to me, the fact that their longevity mm -hmm. is not really there speaks to the fact that I think they were a bit of a flash. That's mm -hmm. just me. People are going to shit on us and maybe we get mail and that's fine. Dude, Spoon. Are you a Spoon guy? I don't know if you even know the band, but like my buddy sure. Paul introduced me to Spoon. They're this Texas outfit. They're okay. phenomenal. I love them. Dude. All right. So you got the white stripes. I don't want to say it. What you got? Radiohead was everywhere. I left them all. Now, now but they, you're right. We they started in the 90s be, yeah. and that was huge. The mm -hmm. band, you know, this sort of thing. But dude, Radiohead was everywhere. For me, one of the best bands of the 2000s are the Shins. I fucking Shins. love the yep. Shins. Mm -hmm. I really do. That was really big in like Garden State, the Zach Braff movie, right? Yep. And then they just exploded. Um, we've talked about the Mars Volta. I happen to love the Mars Volta wow, or, you okay. know, Interpol, Interpol. is really, yep. really big. Arctic Monkeys, another I one. Here. Yep. I always feel like these two main bands like Vampire Weekend and all these things. I wasn't a Vampire Weekend yeah, guy. Maybe that was here. later too. They're even getting bigger now, but they I'm not are. the biggest fan. And I'll give you two more. My Morning Jacket was big, but yes. that, they, the, the members changed around enough that I'm not so sold on that. And dude, a band that was big, and they're again, they're a New York band, which is kind of cool. They're a DJ outfit, kind of, but LCD sound system. You familiar with these cats? No, you no. should listen to some of this stuff. It's like more of like a, a DJ okay. sort of EDM type gotcha. of thing. But to me, that's like an indie slash. I don't want to say again. Alternative is a is a horrible term because mm -hmm. it's this catch all. But dude, so you have all of that against the backdrop again, right? So we named all these bands, but like Usher was huge. Oh yeah. Um. Kanye big Alicia Keys was huge. Alicia Keys. Audio Slave was big. Are you ready? We got Are you ready with what I'm going Oh man. Fucking Nickelback was everywhere. <laughs> Nickelback was everywhere. <laughs> but I don't know that I everywhere. want to really push that on this person. But again, it's kind of hard to make say. Them aware of it. It, it it can't just be this because then you're biasing this person you're too right. much. You you're kind right. of have to be like Here's what it is. Like they're your <laughs> child. It it. Yeah. I'm introducing you to stuff. Either oh, you like it or man. you don't. But it's true. Nickelback was everywhere. everywhere. Foo Fighters were everywhere. Um, again, the Strokes were everywhere. But did uh, you mention, Nelly, did fucking you Nelly was everywhere. One? Sorry? Did you mention the Killers on your... Like I deliberately left them you off. left them off. Now, okay. 
I, I don't dislike them. I just never kind of got it. Yep. People talk about them like they're Zeppelin. And I'm like, I don't I don't see it. <laughs> they had one hit as far as I'm concerned, right? Yeah. yeah. No, anyway, go ahead. What I did have the killers. But dude, Nelly, I, tell me Nelly wasn't everywhere in the 2000s. Nelly was everywhere. All right. I agree. I agree. So I also anyway, had Panic ahead. at the Disco. And again, not because oh. I was the biggest fan, but I actually thought it sounded different. In the 2000s. Huh? Yeah. All right. I'll give and you that. I thought it sounded different enough where I was like, all right, this is kind of cool. Now, just to kind of round that area out, I'm going to hit on again some of the uh, the oh. country musicians, Brad Paisley, Travis Tritt, Kenny Chesney, Carrie Underwood. Again, country, I feel like stayed pretty strong you during that period. You caught me on the country stuff, during man. That you period. really did. Paisley, like I say, is one of my favorite artists, and he's, uh, I, I don't know how I missed him. I've no. come to appreciate him. Actually, while, so while we're hanging good. out today, I may need you to teach me a lick or two, because I've been dying to learn. Well, then maybe you can teach so. me a lick or two. Yeah, Brad right. Paisley's not something you just like teach people. <laughs> Steve, like, you got it, right? No problem. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move into the 2010s. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to get us kicked Sorry, off Sorry, I was going to say, you kick it off, man. This was a different period, and we're still in it, as far as I'm concerned. I and agree. It's something where, I wrote 2010 plus, you know, I think it takes us through current day. And I think you had a little bit of hipster influence. You had a little bit of- A little bit, huh? Yeah, a little bit, a lot of bit. Yeah. You had a little bit of a resurgence in- I'm not even gonna say a resurgence, but maybe like a dichotomy in the country music space where Americana started to shine, maybe more so than yeah. the alternative country. Yeah. And then some other interesting bands. So let me start off here. Let's start with the hipster influence. Mumford and Sons, Sign No More came out in 2010. The Lumineers. I have, I have them both on my list. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually like those bands. And I think not to kind of impose my I like it, know, Marcus influence yeah. here, but yeah. I think those are good bands if you want to get introduced into that genre. Uh, Steve, do you have anything else in that space? Not, not really, dude. Um, I'm just looking over my list here. I, I think I bucketed them out. No, I have Mumford and Sons and Lumineers. Yeah. Um, I've got some other genre, like I've got some EDM that was there too. But mm -hmm. you know, um, and it's funny because in this particular genre, I don't know that there's. I think popularity and sales kind of collided yeah or 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 listenability like we're yet 90s where you may have had people we were listening to and other stuff happening in the backdrop yeah, yeah. i don't have a major like to me the funnel became very tight from the 90s into 2010 maybe i mean streaming music became a big thing we didn't really talk maybe. about it here but yeah that was happening that's true you know, 2010s yeah. plus in the, in the last 10 years it's that's really a good been... point no i didn't i didn't uh no i didn't have anyone else in that category but i had a lot of i had i had a different interpretation of what i thought of the of the 10s as a music what song. else you got there so to me it was big like edm dude f solo artists female and male solo artists hmm. really started to become huge in hmm. my opinion they existed like celine was big in the 10s yep. right i mean in, in the in the 2000s, 2000s rather um but for me you had like Katy perry yeah you had taylor swift yep you have gaga sure. um you have ariana grande you have adele you're yeah, right. I never thought about Billie that. Eilish. The solo artist came back. Now I'm not going to huh. get into the Billie Eilish thing. You can, yeah. you know, I, you you might hear in the timber of my voice how I feel <laughs> about all this. Um, and that's not like like look. A lot of this music has value. Katy Perry plays the guitar. Swift plays the guitar. Writes her own music. Gaga's voice is unbelievable, and I've said that. Yep. yep. You can't. It's hard to deny that Beyonce and Ariana Grande can sing, or Adele can sing. Now, if you listen to it or you don't, that's your business. But again. 
it's happening. This mm-hmm. person should know about it. But for dudes, like Ed Sheeran was everywhere. Yeah. Sean Mendes was everywhere. Bruno Mars is Bruno my Mars. boy. <laughs> and then you had Bieber. Let's, I mean, come on. Like, there's a lot of solo. Now, look, this is big production music. Mm-hmm. These are big production shows. But it's hard to deny that they exist, right? I and never then, thought about that, but you're right. But yeah. hip hop, and I think hip hop and country, in my opinion, were their own genre. Yep. They are now like, hip-hop if you want to call and I, and I just coined that yeah and country pop so that, now that, the lines good. are breaking down so much you have kendrick lamar was big drake was big Nicki minaj big sean first of all if you self-apply a size nickname to yourself like if you call yourself <laughs> big mike that's bullshit I, so unless somebody called him big sean i'm not okay with self-applying this nickname. Love it. cardi b was everywhere oh man no, your okay, favorite is, cardi b oh yeah, yeah. She, i love her um now here's what I'll say in EDM you had David uh you had uh Guetta and you had Chainsmokers. Now these guys now again you can like this music or not like it but it's there. So you have to say like you know there's what it is. And for me Adele Drake and Rihanna are were huge. Mm-hmm. Huge like everywhere in the in the 10s, right? So you had all the artists I just gave you but then you had um that happening in the backdrop. And I know I said Adele and this type of thing, but um, Rihanna was big and she, I, I have a feeling, I mean, the all signs point to the fact that she's not going anywhere. Yep. So. But there it is for me. It's hip hop, big single male and female artists or solo artists, if you want to call it that, rather than a lot of like bands. Mm-hmm. That was, that's my observation. I mean, other bands yeah. that were popular in the nineties and the, and the two thousands are still popular now, yeah. but I'm not seeing a lot of bands necessarily come out. By the way, I can't believe I forgot to say tonic to the 90s. Yeah, you love tonic. I had it written down, too. I'm ready to kill myself. I can't believe I forgot that. Anyway, so we're going to say that in the 90s tonic. I can't believe Because they were big and they were everywhere. That is true. So anyway, we'll come back to the 10s now. Uh, That's who I had, Mike. I don't know if you feel differently about it. Your, your list done? I'm, you got I'm, okay. I'm spent, dude. So let me, let me finish this up here. There's a few things I want to hit on. And that was very insightful of you. I never thought about the fact that you're right. A lot of solo artists today in this day and age were bands. Yeah. That's very interesting. I got to think more about that. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, right? But that would be my observation. Yeah. You know? Um. So I think there was also a little bit of this, maybe this is for people like us, but wanting a little bit of the past to come back. So in 2011, and we talked about the Foo Fighters earlier, but you had the Wasting Light album. And what I loved about this album was that in particular, it was recorded in David Grohl's garage via analog. They brought back Pat Smear and Chris Novoselic for a song. Uh, Smear, I think, was on most of the album, but Chris was on for a song. So it was kind of like, hey, we're, we're going to bring you back to the old school. And you got all this other music going on that we just talked about. But don't forget, this is still alive. And I thought that was great. Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown is another yeah, band that I mentioned before. Yeah. Phenomenal rock band. That's good. There are so few true rock bands. This is a real rock band. And they're very modern, like very recent. You know, this is not something that's been around for 30 years. Uh, very fresh. Tyler Bryant was incredibly young coming up and doing it. We've talked about him on previous episodes. But great rock band. All right, now, um, just before I get into the Americana and country side of this, one final band, The Revivalists. Their album, Men Amongst Mountains, in 2015, is such a good album. They I have left so them many off good albums. I knew you were going to talk about But them. The Revivalists as a whole, I think it represents good quality music from talented musicians in the modern era, which is just so hard to come by. The last few here that I'm going to round out surprise, surprise, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit. 
Um, the Nashville Sound, his album 2017, I think is a good introduction to him because some of his early stuff, you know, can be a little bit more country if that's not what you're looking for. The more recent album, I think, is easy listening. You can break right into it. You can certainly go all the way back to Sirens from the Ditch uh, or of the Ditch in 07, and even his time with Drive-By Truckers from 01 through 07. But I think it's an easier intro if you want to start in the nowadays mm -hmm. style of music. Blackberry Smoke. Yeah, you the, love them, huh? Yeah, I, oh, they're so good. Yeah. So good. And these are more, these are more mod, not I want to say modern, but it's closer to the end of the decade where I probably yeah. didn't focus as much. Like, I, I knew you were going to say Stapleton probably. So yeah, he's on You yeah. are, right? Yeah. yeah. Stapleton, so I, 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 Jamie Johnson, Sturgill Simpson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, those are guys doing country right, especially Jamie Johnson. Oh, you're right. Good for you. And within Blackberry Smoke, though, I did want to point out if you're going to listen to them and you want to be, uh, you want to start with something that's not, you know, overly uh, bearing and something that's easy to get into. The Southern Ground Sessions in mm. 2018 is such a good album. Mm. Uh, actually, Jason Isbell's wife, Amanda Shires, also appears on the album. They do a Petty cover and some other great stuff. Give it a listen. And then last, but certainly not least, and somebody who's blowing up and is actually now touring in some major stadiums, Tyler Childers. Uh, if I had to give you, a, an, an, again, another place to start out listening mm. to Tyler Childers, our uh, it's called Our Vinyl Sessions from 2015. There are Ooh. three songs on this, Our and it's just him and a guitar in, in like this empty space room, and it sounds so good. His yeah. voice is unmistakable. It actually has a lot of Kurt Cobain to it when you listen to his voice oh. uh, with kind of like a country guitar feel. So pretty cool stuff. But anyway, Steve, that was fun. I, I think, you know, our – our friend with the inimitable spirit here who's just been released from a bunker has a <laughs> lot of work to do and, and may need to go back into a bunker to listen to all this music. But, I think you're uh, right. but no, I think we, we crush that man. So today we don't have time for verses. There's just way too much content to cover. And we do have a lot of fan mail. I want to get into sounds from the rhythm section. So we're going to hold off on a versus segment. We'll hit another one another day. Yeah, why not? But for today, let's get into some of the mail that we have coming. So, firstly, from Matt, gentlemen, at the suggestion of our friend and colleague, blankety blank, I'm not going to give a name, uh, I finally started working my way through the podcast catalog. Great job, and man, you're both having fun. It's awesome. I'm regularly yelling at my phone, Airpo uh, AirPods, car speakers, so you are clearly doing something right. I grew up playing in bands and having a million conversations like this. It's pure fun to listen in. A few things you are doing that I'd love more of. Oh. All right, so let's see what we got. Talk about listening with kids. What's your approach? What are they responding to? And as they get older, what are they uh, What are they playing? What's your advice for others? Oh, wow, that's a good one. Then he gets into gig prep, which we actually we're going to do a whole we episode We have been on. lately, yeah. I think we're going to do a whole episode We should that. do that, too. Set list prep, right? How you approach a room either uh, for the solo gigs or with band. You also mentioned listening to live albums, opinions, approaches, uh, to setting songs in order, set list playlists, etc. Yeah, this is actually an episode that's going to be coming down. Yeah, we the kind path. of been touching on that lately, not too right? soon. Yeah. So, I, listen, I really appreciate that. That was a great yeah, piece thank of you, mail. Man. That's great. Um, hold on one second. Let me just grab my glasses here. I can't read this stuff. Uh, here we go. Getting like, old, Steve. Yeah, you want to read it from here? I was going to say. Yeah, I'm trying to keep the mic nice and close there to me. You go. All right, that's a little bit better. So, Matt, that was good. And, you know, we try and talk a little bit about the, the family and the kids stuff. We don't bring it up all the time, but I do play, you know, a lot with my daughters. And um, actually, there's this – I'm not going to give them a, a 
a pitch yet because uh, they haven't given us a sponsor spot. But there's uh, this great software that I picked up recently where you can actually write your own music. So, and Steve, I'll show it to you after this. I've started writing some music and I've actually been doing a little bit of it with my daughter, which has been fun too. So there's a lot of great free software programs out there you can pick up to do, uh, to do that with. I love how you said they didn't sponsor. You went yeah, all like, Hollywood, I was like, screw man. those you went, guys. You went all Hollywood. I was like, well, well, we'll talk to them. We'll no, see if they get back yeah, to we'll us. We'll see what yeah. they do. Yeah. All well, right. That's great. So next, let me just check this off the list. We have ba -ba -ba -ba, a very nice ringing endorsement from an organization that's out there called Hear It There. And this is a uh, an organization that talks about, promotes, and helps to make uh, others aware of live and local music. So I, I love Hear It There. They have a great Facebook page. And th just this morning, I uh, woke up and I said, oh my goodness, there is a very nice ringing endorsement here of the Music Theory Podcast. So I'm going to take a minute and just read it to you all. It says, Music Nerds Alert. Yeah, it sounds Positive right. connotations here. Uh, we're big fans of the Music and Theory Podcast, local musicians and fans. Steve and Mike have had over 5,000 listens and are growing. This is a really great episode, and she's talking about key contributors to bands. That was our previous full-length episode, episode number 16. Some bands just don't sound the same without some, uh, some form of keys, whether it be organ, synth, or traditional piano. These groups might just be totally different without that pivotal role. Also, singer-songwriter Verses with James Taylor and Cat Stevens. Wow. And then she says, join the rhythm section. So thank you so much for posting that. We appreciate that so yeah, much. Yeah, thank you very and much. And give here there a listen when you got, or a look when you guys get a chance, because it does have a ton of great information about live and local music. Uh, so let's get out of that one. Okay, next. We have a piece of mail here about our interview with Gary Sioni, uh, record producer, owner of Soundacre Studios. If you haven't heard that interview yet, another good episode. So we have Alyssa who says, that was a great interview. A lot went over my head, but got the gist about how music is produced and how the technology has changed. Really interesting, even for us lay people. Liked your discussion about live performances too. How artists sometimes use pre-recorded backing tracks Tricky, tricky. <laughs> and also, Gary is right. Us Long Islanders love punk. Not sure why. So, Alyssa, phenomenal. Yeah. Thank you so I much. I didn't know she was a Long Islander. That's fantastic. Support. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I realized no, that No, no, no. You know what, though? That was a really – it didn't occur to me that that might have been really insightful for people because I think we knew backing tracks happened, but – you and I know this, right? It's like the Milli Vanilli effect. And you got to, you're, you're, a lot of people do sing live to track, but a lot of people do, let's call it, you know, if you have a bad night or your throat is hurting, you'll, you'll just, I don't want to say lip sync, but you'll get a lot of assistance on the stage, right? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, ba -ba -ba -ba. Next. And I think I'm missing a little bit of a thread here, but that's right. We'll start with something else. So I recently posed a question for some friends who are in a, uh, We'll call it a, a music league with me, which is like an interesting <laughs> format. I may have talked about it in a previous cast, but basically a friend of mine set music up this league. thing. It's kind of like a fantasy football league, and we pick songs that match a certain uh, topic that's being discussed for the week. And as we go through those songs, we have like a uh, basically a group that votes on who likes each of those songs the most. It's a big music nerdy thing. I didn't know that. That's but it's amazing. a lot of fun. It's kind of cool. So anyway. I put out to this thread, hey, have you guys heard the new Pearl Jam song, uh, Dance of the Clairvoyance? 
it's super different. If you haven't heard it yet, give it a listen. I want to read some of the comments I got back, and then Steve and I will kind of opine on this here. Yeah. Uh, one guy, Robert, says it's a good song, definitely a departure, but I don't need to hear Jeremy 4.0. Word. Looking forward to hearing the album. Okay. Aaron says, definitely a new sound for them. Not sure how I feel about it yet. I need to listen to it a few more times to see how it grows on me, but I do like when bands take risks and go outside of what their fans expect. Danny says, not a diehard fan, but I genuinely liked it. I agree about it sounding like New Wave, which was a plus for me. It's a bit talking heads and a bit simple minds. Uh, Tom says, he's summoning David Byrne on this one. Mm. Love the bass sound. I'm not sure how I feel about it just yet, but I'm glad they are experimenting. Chances are, based on career trajectories of uh, prolific artists, they're not going to make a great album. So I'm glad to see something different. And maybe it's a, it's a, a grower. I don't know what that means. Okay. Like it'll grow on you. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on one second here. I just yeah. want to check something. Okay. All right. Let's see. Robert says, if you do the math, 2020 Pearl Jam equals 1993 Stones. Interesting. Based on first studio releases. That's kind of scary to think about. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Keiko says, F Pearl Jam. I mean, that <laughs> might be one of the funniest things. I love when people comment on it. The red is so helpful. It's so pithy, too. F Pearl Jam. Yeah. That's brilliant. All right. That's pretty good. Steve, what are your thoughts on, on the new Pearl Jam song? I mean, look, I, I, I've heard it only, you know, once or, or, or twice. But, um, I, you know, I don't. I didn't have this reaction where I was thinking like, oh my God, this is horrible. In fact, I kind of agree with like, I don't need to hear, you know, like Jeremy, Jeremy yeah, yeah, or, or anything else, you know, Backspacer was an album that I really, really liked. I thought it was, was pretty tight and I went and saw them live with a buddy on that tour and they were very good. Oh, cool. Um, I don't, you know, the, the disadvantage Pearl Jam has at this point is they've been around for a very long time. Mm -hmm. We just talked about them in the nineties, right? Yep. So they, they made their bones sounding like a very specific band and you're probably going to alienate some people if you change that. But you know, what I'll give them credit for is like, as true artists, they're trying to keep it going trying to do things that keep it interesting, challenge themselves. So I don't I don't hate them for doing that. In fact, I applaud them from doing that because that takes a lot of courage. Um, and, you know, it's one of these things, man. A lot of bands make albums that their fan base didn't necessarily want to hear or expect to hear, but they made them anyway. Like Zeppelin Three is the best representation of that because you heard Jimmy Page. He's like, if it were up to the record company or maybe some of our fans – if we could have just done a whole lot of love and heartbreaker again, that would have been fine, but that's not where we were at. So yeah. I, you know, and look, I, I don't ever, I, I know it's kind of come across like I dislike, Pearl. I don't dislike Pearl Jam. Mm -hmm. I just, I kind of sometimes am a little taken aback at the level of intensity people bring to this band. Mm -hmm. And that, that's the only thing I'm reacting to. I think they're all very talented and I, and I love a lot of their music. I didn't dislike it. I have to be honest with you. If I yeah. heard it and my first reaction were to say, this is just awful, maybe. But I, I have to tell you, um, I kind of liked it. It was different. Uh, and maybe, like we say, it's a grower. But I don't know. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I, I really more didn't less, have a hard lean one way yeah, or the other. More or less right there with you. Uh, I've listened to it several times now. And it's, it's a good song. It's a good song. It works with the times. I feel like they were able to evolve. 
And it didn't sound like Pearl Jam to me. And if Eddie Vedder weren't singing and it was just the music, you would have no clue that was a Pearl Jam song. But that's okay. And I think it's a different voice for them. Uh, I'm actually glad that they're making music, you know, because how many of the other bands are left from when we were growing up? Um, a buddy of mine, Matt, I also asked about this. He was a diehard Pearl Jam fan. He's one of those guys who's seen him like, you know, 30 times in concert kind yeah. of thing. He goes, I just listened to the song. I love that they are still creating new sounds after yeah, 30 years. There you go. It certainly sounded way different from their typical rock. Kind of had a Kings of Leon feel to it, which mm. I thought was interesting. I didn't thought about that. But, um, you know, I, I say good for them. Making music, And it seems like by and large, that's the consensus, at least from what I'm getting. So if you haven't heard it, give it a listen. Yeah, Pretty interesting stuff. Um, I think that's all we have for mail today. But cool. before we finish up, Steve, one more thing I just wanted to bring up because we didn't talk about it earlier. And I uh, just want to get your take on this. So yeah. we talked about the Red Hot Chili Peppers yep. a few casts ago. And we talked about uh, John Frusciante's return. Mm -hmm. I just watched this interview. If you haven't seen it on you know, WTF, Mark Marin, uh, his podcast. And specifically, they talk. They have Klinghoffer on, Josh. Yep. And he talks about how he was notified that he Oof. was no longer with the band. And basically, what it, come down, it came down to was they said, hey, Josh, uh, turns out Frusciante's back. You know, and that was kind of it. But my God, if you haven't heard that podcast, first of all, listen to it. It's, it's hilarious. It's phenomenal. What a humble guy uh, Klinghoffer is because he was just like, hey, it is what it is. I get it. And I hope they do really well. But what are your thoughts on that, Steve? It's just such an interesting approach. And a guy who's actually pretty good. I saw him live. He's not bad. And he he mirrored Frusciante as best he possibly could for years, you know? <laughs> uh I mean, look, it's pretty cold-blooded. You ever kick somebody out of a band? <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been kicked out? You've never been kicked I've out never of a band. You could possibly be kicked no. out of a band. Well, you're being yeah. way too nice about that. <laughs> I've left bands, yeah. and and that's an interesting conversation, right? Mm. Uh, especially when there's loot involved, and you're like, where's all the loot? And everyone's like, what loot? I'm did like, you like, like, we're getting paid a long time. Where the hell is the money? Did right? you like Klinghoffer? Do you think he was good? Yeah. He's good? Yeah, yeah. but let, he's not... Fucking John Frusciante. I mean, now, Grant, look, man, Kiedis and Flea at this point, not so much Chad Smith, because mm -hmm. I think Chad Smith is like, you know, it's so funny that he's like a Will Ferrell look oh, yeah. like number one. Oh, yeah. But um, those guys are the band. You can say whatever you want, mm -hmm. right? But y y what else were they really going to say, right? Like, hey, man, we're going to try it with you for a while, even goes. though John's available. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. That's uh, At least they were genuine about it. Yeah. You'd rather kind of say like, "Look, dude, uh, um, th this is where it is, and we appreciate it." And I'm sure they didn't do it in a, in a rough way because Flea is very sort of yeah. sort of aware, emotionally aware, right? Paquita's less so, maybe, but uh, you know, I, it's not cool. Anytime yeah. you, it's like breaking up with somebody, right? right. Or you're getting divorced, or whatever. I mean, like that's not. Honest. It's not yeah. going to be a good scenario. <laughs> like, how's that conversation going to go, right? Like, hey, look. You've been great these last two years, but I just you, don't me. want you anymore. Yeah. No, it, it's not. It's a hard conversation. <laughs> so I'd rather you be straight up about it. And I'd, and I'm sure he's uh, appreciates it. It's not a cool scenario, but I mean, what else are you going to do? You know? Well, we'd love to hear from you rhythm section. Let us know what you think about that scenario. Give this podcast a listen. Give them all a listen. We yeah. we gotta we gotta hear from you. We're twice. getting more and more mail. Yeah, each episode twice. Come back with notes prepared, ready to go. Hundred uh, percent. Send it to musicandtheorypodcast at gmail .com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. And I've mentioned this before, but check us out on Cyber FM. First Monday of each month, 9 p.m. Eastern love Time. I that, that's happening still. Satellite yeah. radio, internet radio. All right, everyone. Thanks very much for listening in, and we'll talk to you soon. Until next time.